All right. Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Me and social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. We're coming to you live from Spencer's studio in Las Vegas, which is also known as the Wisden. And producing the show from back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is Chris Magnum Chapman, who is also the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. If you are new or have not heard the show in a long while, the reason we are located in different places is because the pandemic that began in March of 2020 continues, believe it or not, to keep the majority of us at Fox Sports radio working remotely and we are some of those people <laughs> the show's also streaming on the lv sports network and you can watch the show on facebook live and youtube the page is called out of line that is o-u-t-t-a-l-i-n-e follow the show on instagram and twitter at out of line fox lv and since we are live your calls and questions are welcome the fox sports residential bay corp studio line is 702-876-1340 Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bay Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bay Corp. is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bay Corp. funding America one neighborhood at a time. And with rising interest rates, don't forget to ask about the new incredible discounted payment options on move-in ready Wedgwood homes available right now all over Las Vegas. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all of the home financing options available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights. Regular season starts Tuesday, and shortly we'll hear from head coach Bruce Cassidy, along with defenseman Alex Petrangelo and center Nicholas Waugh. UNLV's winning streak abruptly and almost brutally stops at three games. We'll fill you in. Uh, three of the four Major League Baseball wildcard series were sweeps with one deciding game three today. And the Raiders play the Chiefs Monday night, week five, the NFL will highlight the top games and don't place your football bets until after you've heard the scooper with today's pick and parley. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, Funding America, one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on all of your home financing options today. And real quickly, a couple things going on in Las Vegas uh, that you may be aware of, you may not be aware of, but um, the Shriners golf outing is going on at the TPC Summerlin, and Patrick Cantley shares the lead with Tom Kim at 194. They've shot uh, Patrick Clanty 67, 67, and he shot a 60, almost shot his first career 59 yesterday at TPC Summerlin. So it should, should be a good finish. You've got, I think, um, those guys are out front with 19 under, and then you've got a couple guys at 16 unders and a couple at 15 unders. Patrick Cantley, probably the most well-known name of the bunch. And also yesterday, Notre Dame and Brigham Young uh, squared off at uh, Allegiant Stadium. Pretty cool to see two D1 schools of that magnitude play each other here in Las Vegas. Um, believe it or not, Brigham Young favored and the ranked team, but they lost to Notre Dame 28-20. Notre Dame finally three in a row after dropping their first two games of the season. All right, man, let's get right to it, Spence. Go ahead and hit nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. 
It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. About to start here on on Thursday, but Tuesday night, uh, the puck will be dropped to uh, face off the NHL for the Vegas Golden Knights. They'll be in L.A. playing uh, one of their two, probably or three major rivalries, the L.A. Kings. Should be a good season opener, something to look forward to. And, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights dropped their first two preseason, ga- pre-season games, but now they've won three in a row. Uh, what's really kind of cool about it is you've seen the last couple of games, the guys who we need to see scoring have been putting the puck in the net, and it's pretty got much gotten down to the two goaltenders that we kind of figured would be starting the team as the number one and number two, and that is Logan Thompson appears to be. Uh, for right now, with 20 games of NHL experience last year, they're going to give this kid a shot at doing it, and Aiden Hill... Uh, a former backup in San Jose who really played decently last year, was brought over this year to be the backup till Laurent Brossois is ready, whether he is going to end up uh, moving back into the backup role, the starting role. That's yet to be played out depending on how it rolls, but it'll start, I'm guaranteeing it, Tuesday night. You'll see Logan Thompson in net with Aiden Hill sitting on the bench behind him. They've got their lines in place. And uh, after the press conference yesterday, getting ready for after their final preseason game, which was a 5-1 win over Arizona, Bruce Cassidy talked to um, Ashley Vice, and she asked him how they are after last night's game, seven games now under their belt with the preseason, and how's this team looking? And so Bruce Cassidy had to say for that question. They, she also asked him about how excited he is uh, getting ready for the regular season. In preseason games in the books, how did you feel the group grew the most from the first to now? Uh, well, listen, we instilled some defensive principles that are different, new to the guys. I thought as training camp went along, we got better with them. There's still a work in progress in certain instances. We know that. Uh, things take time. Special teams came along. I know we got a fortunate break on a power play goal tonight. A couple of late freebies. I thought over the last week it got better in terms of uh, chemistry, execution. Um, but just in general, just playing together. Now we're, we've seen some people play together in terms of lines. Now with Stoney getting back in the you know three games, I think it is now for him. I think that helps. Uh, and you know people that missed last year getting some some reps and timing. So you could see it offensively. We're scoring more goals. A lot of that's having more of a veteran lineup. Two guys that have been there, but still their timing's better. Where's your excitement level about starting to play games that count now? Well, listen, I'm glad we got L.A. right away. It's a team we're going to need to be better than this year. Um, team we're going to need to outplay, so let's get after it right away, find out where we're at. Um, I think everyone would say the same. <clears throat> You know, and and what more can you say? You know, I like what Bruce Cassidy's doing. The players seem to be buying in. It's going to be interesting what happens once the puck is dropped on Tuesday night. L.A. is a team they're looking to finish in front of. But again, health is going to be an issue, uh, as it is every year with every team. But last year it was a serious issue with the Vegas Golden Knights. So I can't say it's going to be an issue. It is going to be a, a d- deciding factor, obviously. We saw that last year. And, of course, goaltending is going to be a deciding factor. But one of the things that makes the Golden Knights so strong and what makes them a contender is how strong they are defensively with a couple of the best defensive players in the National Hockey League and Alex Petrangelo and of course uh, Shea Theodore who's been with this team from day one really broke into the NHL in 2017 and has never looked back and just continues to get better every season while yesterday Ashley Vice also had a chance to talk to Alex Petrangelo getting ready to head into this season. 
How do you feel like you grew the most from the first preseason game to now, the team? Well, I think if you look at every game, there was you know parts of every game that maybe weren't going the way we wanted to. Um, anytime you completely you know put in a new system, new coach, that's going to happen. He's going to run the bench different. He's going to have new systems. But I think as we you know went on into you know Utah and then came here, I felt like we. Uh, you know, had a better percentage of the game that was playing the way we wanted to. The systems were especially different for the decor. Where is the comfort level among the six of you? Yeah, I mean, we're out there before practice, after practice, trying to you know work on that. It's it's not a huge difference, but it's enough that we have to keep you know talking about it and uh, you know keep working on it. It's more communication than anything. What's the feeling? How exciting is it just to turn the page, be done with preseason, and yeah. look ahead to regular season? It's a long camp. I mean, you know, seven games and. Most of us were here, what, a month and a half before the season even started skating together. So it feels like we've kind of been at this for a while now, and it's nice to kind of get the, the real thing going. Now that you've had a few weeks to see everyone together, what excites you most about the group? Well, just to have the group back together. I think, you know, we talked about last year, right? You guys are in and out. Guys are missing stretches. It's nice to have that group, that energy back, and, you know, have our depth throughout our lineup the way we want it to be. And I think they do have their depth in line the way they wanted to. One defenseman, I'll talk to Chris about this in a minute, Nicholas um, uh, uh, Nicholas Haig, one of the guys that is was expected to get better this year. He is a restricted free agent, and as of right now, him and the Golden Knights are about as far as apart as it gets. It looks like they're definitely going to start the campaign without Nicholas, K, uh, Nicholas Haig. We'll, we'll talk to Chris about that in a minute, what his thoughts are. Again, very tight. There's just not a lot of money there to offer him uh, to extend that contract or to offer much more than he's getting paid right now. But again, we'll talk about that in a minute. One of the other, the other Nicholas, I should say, on the team, Nicholas Wah, who really has become a staple of the Vegas Golden Knights over the past couple of seasons. A good centerman, a guy that on his best night can for sure play, can play all the way up to the first line. I think he's more of a second, third line guy. But Nicholas Wah, definitely a big guy, a guy that could put put the puck in the net. And he also is really good with the puck as far as playing in the neutral zone and, and distributing the puck as well. Not a bad two-way player. After uh, yesterday's uh, game, um, Ashley Vice also had a chance to talk with him. How do you feel like the team's grown the most since that first preseason game? Uh, huge steps, uh, I think, everywhere. Um, we had a little change on, on everything, power play, uh, PK, or defensive zone. So um, I think we built in, and, and today we, we look pretty good. Where's the comfort level now as you head into the regular season? Uh, confidence really high. We know um, the kind of group we have. We know um, we have confidence in their group. Uh, we have really good players in there. So, um, yeah, confidence pretty high. You ready for Tuesday? Yeah, we're pretty excited. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's pretty excited to get it going after last year. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights fans got a taste of humble pie and uh, a taste of professional sports is for the first time after four seasons uh, making the playoffs every year. Man, the first season, as we all know, the historic season making a run to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, last year, they missed the playoffs barely. They were in it right up until the last week. 500 man hours missed uh, based or I should say man minutes missed uh, by um, by a number of Vegas Golden Knights player too numerous to talk about this year. Even Mark Stone, as, as uh, you heard Bruce Cassidy allude to, has played the last couple of games. Jack Eichel looks good. He scored a goal last game. Mark so in the last couple of games. These guys are looking good. They're looking ready to play the game. Chris, where do you think they are at? Because last year you and I had a discussion right before the season. You were concerned. And, hey, your concerns ended up being validated as the Golden Knights didn't make the postseason. He just said, man, if the play I'm seeing on the ice right now is indicative of what we're going to see in the regular season. I am concerned. Well, 
it started off, they lost the first two preseason games. You just can't get caught up in wins and losses in the preseason. But this team right now, there are question marks. Question marks still of, of who's going to comprise the lines once everything gets going. And the biggest question mark of all, I know we've got confidence in him. I know everyone in Vegas is pulling for Logan Thompson to be the final heir apparent to maybe Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, Robin Leonard's still there. He'll be back next season, uh, depending on what goes on with him. But right now, I think everyone initially is in Logan Thompson's corner, Chris. The thing is, can Logan Thompson handle this? 25 years old. I don't think anyone expected uh, last year at this time that Logan Thompson a year later would be potentially the number one goaltender of the Vegas Golden Knights. But that is the case right now. Is he up to the task? Well, I I, I think person personality-wise, I think Logan Thompson is. Like, he... he... The way he comes across and the way he approaches the game, he definitely, I think, is is confident enough. I think he he's he's got the right makeup for it. I I do think there there will be questions though that he'll need to answer. And you know, I I, I think the the big question is: Look, he he was really good in those what eighteen twenty games he played last year for the Golden Knights when when called into action, but. Once teams see you the first time, once there's film out about you, you know, these are the best players in the world, Brian, and they're able to to read and dissect and find, you know, when, when you see guys who, who are able to put that little piece of rubber over someone's shoulder into the back of the net, you realize just how, how amazing the, the, the players in the NHL are at what they do. Um, so I think Logan Thompson will be fine. I, I think that, you know, he, he's going to have to adjust as well. You know, guys are going to adjust to him, and he's going to have to adjust his game as well, Brian. But I, I, I don't really have the the concern at that position that some other people seem to have. Um, I, I think Aiden Hill will be a good number two. Uh, and look, Loren Brossois is still in the mix as well when he comes back. What, are the, what is the team going to do with him? Uh, he hasn't obviously played in the preseason, so he'll he'll have some catching up to do once he he is cleared to play. But Brian, I I, I think where where you, you're going to see a little bit of growing pains is is it's going to take some time for Bruce Cassidy to figure out exactly what he wants to do with his lines. And and I I, I will say, yeah, last season I I was concerned with the way that they played in the preseason. I don't have those same concerns this year because I saw the team grow in the preseason. And once the team got down to the guys that are really going to be the core of the 2022-23 the Golden Knights, the team played well. Um, you know, they, they won that game against the Kings and look, it's preseason, but that was a dress rehearsal. You know, they, they, they played a lot of the guys that, that are going to feature in the lineup of this team. They played a, a bunch of guys last night who are going to feature in the roster for the Golden Knights. And what what I think is kind of maybe made them better a little bit is the play of guys like Jake LeCision, Paul Cotter, uh, Zachary Mananen, who have pushed guys like Pavel Dorofiev, who have pushed the veterans in camp. Because in years past, we haven't ha- we haven't seen the young guys who were, who were in the minors the year before push for spots on the main roster. And I think when you have situations like that, it forces other guys to be better. It forces Brett Howden and and Michael Amadio to be better. It forces Keegan Colasar to step up. You know, I I like that. I like the competition in camp. Even on the blue line, you you have Ben Hutton who who was pushed by Caden Korzak and Jake Bischoff, 
And, you know, Ben Hutton is a guy who I think a lot of people probably don't really know a ton about because, you know, the way his situation was last year, he was at this time last year, the guy was sitting on his couch and he wasn't in on an NHL roster. Ben Hutton's an NHL player. The fact that he was on his couch and not on a roster makes me scratch my head because the guy's a good player. You know, he's good enough to play at this level. He belongs in the NHL. And when you talk to him, you, you he's a very personable guy. And I think he's the kind of guy who everyone in the locker room likes. So I, I, I think this is this is a team where once Bruce Cassidy is able to figure out what he wants where, what pieces he wants to put in what spots. I think this is going to be a pretty good team. You know, they they looked they looked pretty solid on the penal on the power play last night. They had two power play goals. They got they got one the other night against the Kings. You know, that that was a major struggle of the Golden Knights last season was special teams. Bruce Cassidy is a guy who really emphasizes special teams. You could see the way they work on it in practice. They, the, the last practice I was at, they were they were running power play drills simultaneously, which is not something that I had seen under Gerard Gallant and um, uh, Pete DeBoer. We're, we're at basically at the same time. You have two different units working on special teams. It was it was pretty cool to see. And I, I'll just say this: Look, I, I I don't know what the expectations are. I do think talent wise, this is a team that that I, I feel like they're a playoff team. It's all got to come together, and it's going to have to come together quick because, unfortunately, in the NHL, if you don't come out of the gate and get points early and you struggle, it becomes very, very difficult to make them up. I think this is a big season for the Golden Knights, Brian. I I would say this is probably the biggest season in team history outside of that first season because there's a lot of pressure on a lot of guys to perform this year, and if they don't, I don't know what that means. But, you know, Bill Foley didn't make the statement, cup and six. I don't know if it's fair to to to, to hold Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee accountable. You know, I, I think they've done a really good job of, of building this team and putting this team and making this team successful. So I don't really know, you know, I'm sure it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment, but maybe it wasn't. So I, I'll just say that I do feel like there is a ton of pressure on a lot of guys to perform this year. I think one guy you're going to see a ton of pressure on, and, and I think he's more than capable of handling it, is Alex Petrangelo. I think he's a guy who who fans are are, are wanting to see have a have a a big season. And you know, I mean, look, he he. I thought I think it took it took him some time to get accustomed to, to Vegas, but he came in in a really goofy situation too. I think he was really good last year. Um, you know, but but he's a guy who I, I think the fans are really going to want to push. A guy who is kind of under the radar, and he shouldn't be, but I think a lot of people may have forgotten about how good he was, is Alec Martinez. And he's a guy who's going to have a big season. Look, he last year was, was just a, a really bad year for him. Obviously, things beyond his control. It's not like he chose to go out and have a bad season. He didn't have a bad season. He had a bad thing happen to him in the season. So... Uh, he's a guy who definitely, I think, is 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 going to have a really good season. Uh, and look, he he's kind of a glue guy in the locker room. He he's he's not the best defenseman, but I think you can make the case he's the most important. Yeah, you know, maybe this year even more important, Chris, because you know I mentioned uh, in opening up, and I want to get through this quickly so we make make move on with the show. But I get the sense that there's a lot more friction and certainly a lot less activity when it comes to Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights and Nicholas Haig. You know, how does it change the outlook of their team? Well, for one, 
They're in a spot where every dollar counts. Even with Weber and Leonard, the Shea Weber contract they acquired slated to go to the long-term um, IR, it still doesn't leave them a lot of wiggle room. There's only a certain amount that they can probably afford to pay Nick Hague. And if that's not going to work out, then they're going to have to move on for a, for a kind of young promising defenseman that was supposed to take on more of a role this year on, on a blue line that in my opinion does get kind of thin in area times, especially Chris, you just talked about Alec Martinez when you don't know what you're getting out of Alec Martinez in both play and health wise at his age. And you know, the fact that he was hurt most of last year, um, you know, it's uh, you know it's just one more dent to this team's sort of rough off season after trading Max Pacioretty for basically nothing after withstanding that uh, Leonard injury. Um, you know, it's just the thing is, is you know with Nick Hague, it's not like he's an integral part, but defense is such a big part of this team that you've got to make the decisions. And again, where you just said, and, and, and not that you stole my thunder, exactly what I was going to say, Alec Martinez really may be an X factor this year. They are going to need him to have one more really good season in him for this team to make a run. I agree with Alex Petrangelo. You know, there's no question. Alex Petrangelo has to play like Alex Petrangelo throughout the entire course of the season. Shea Theodore, this is the year, and it's not, and I won't say this is the year because he already has, but he really needs to step up. He is one of the top 10 defensemen in the National Hockey League, and he needs to play like that consistently because this guy is really on the precipice of being a great player. Um, he's already an excellent player and and in my opinion an all-star i think this is the year that that we really need to say see shea theodore become and be considered by everyone players and fans alike an upper echelon defenseman in the national hockey league and i think all those things are possible and again it's going to come down to the last line of defense and something i'm really happy that you talked about chris is is a you know, Bruce Cassidy really emphasizing and always has emphasized special teams. It's such a big part of this game. As much as important as it is to produce on the power play, it's equally important to defend when you are shorthanded. And the Vegas Golden Knights have been up and down in both those categories throughout their tenure in the National Hockey League. I think shoring up the special teams for this line is exceptionally is incredibly important. And I also think one of the things that is talked about amongst hockey enthusiasts that understand the game, it is play in the neutral zone. And that is between the two blue lines in the center of the ice, you know, really so much goes on there that is not talked about. And I think teams that are solid and play well in the neutral zone typically go far into the postseason. Listen, we are going to move on as we are in time, but here's what I will say is I'm going to say that as far as UNLV goes, because we're going to get into this, a lot of my friends, Chris, and I think you're part of this because we're always in this big group tweet. It's amazing how, pe how people, it almost seems like Chris will read those. I don't, I get involved with them because I love the guys that are in the, the text message. They're dear friends of mine, all of them, you included, but you know, it, it, you cannot jump all over them for one real lousy game. What I will say about the game yesterday, and that's why I didn't chime in because I disagree. I don't think you, I'm going to, I'm not going to nail them, you know, and say it's over with because of one really bad loss. And it was a bad loss, but I'll tell you, I don't know what it was watching that game yesterday, Chris. It looked like two different levels of football. I mean, San Jose State made a, made a point, obviously, all week said, you know what? 
we are going to go in and out physical this football team from the opening gun san jose state just looked like a level above i mean they were flying on defense they were as strong as can be and unlv just didn't seem to have answers for san jose state's quarterback yeah you know the funny thing is uh jalen cordero is the quarterback of san jose state he played for hawaii a couple years ago and i seem to recall him being really really good in that game against unlv i think hawaii came to las vegas and jalen cordero was was really good for them but you know as far as the game friday night brian it's weird because UNLV, I like the approach of Marcus Arroyo of being aggressive and saying, you know what, we win the kickoff, we want the ball, we want to go down and score and put the opposing team on their heels. You don't see that a lot, and I, I kind of like that. I like that approach. They open the game with a 25-yard run by Aiden Robbins, and from that moment on, it seemed like they kind of got stuck in the mud. There were a couple moments where they went backwards, uh, bad penalties, uh, Brian, but I think that you, you could probably make the case that this was maybe the one of the worst games in the Marcus Arroyo era uh, because this is a team you lost to by by one possession last year here in Vegas. And you can make the case that that Cameron Friel probably should have gotten a, a, a fresh set of downs at the end of that game because he was he was basically, uh, you know, I, I th- there was a targeting call that wasn't called in that game. But they San Jose State basically said, look, We've won this conference before. We understand that you're playing really well, but the conference, especially this side of the conference, goes through us. And they they, they proved that point the other night. And and Brian, I, I'll be honest. I, I I think I'm not too. I I don't want to say I'm not too concerned, but you know what? Sometimes you're going to play a bad game. Sometimes you're going to play really good games against good teams. San Jose State is a pretty good team. They're they're a solid Mountain West team. They're well coached. They have good quarterback play. Uh, look, Mazzotti, who who is uh, one of their better players, had a big game for them. Uh, but defensively, they were they were they were relentless on the defensive side of the ball, Brian. And I know you're going to get to to Dougie Brumfield, but uh, you know it, it started with with I think, and I don't know for sure uh, what the injury was, but. I think there was a moment in that game where Brumfield was the victim of a late hit and it wasn't called. And it seemed from that moment, and it was really, really early in the maybe their second drive of the game. And it seemed from that moment on, UNLV just didn't have it offensively. Cameron Friel came in. Uh, he he threw a 40-yard uh, completion. I, they, I think they ran the flea flicker, actually. And it was like a 40-yard completion down to Seneca McKee. They got down a first and goal, and and look, the, the the game really changed in a couple of different moments. Cameron Friel comes in, second snap, the ball goes over his head. That's bad. It's twenty to nothing. You have the ball, third and goal. You get sacked on third and goal, and then fourth and goal. You run a play that comes up a bit short. The game is a lot different if you don't turn the ball over at the 15-yard line down 14-0. The game is a little bit different if you score that touchdown and you make it 20-7 to going into the locker room. Those things didn't happen. It comes down to execution. UNLV just didn't execute. San Jose State played a great game. And, and look, the reality is they kicked UNLV's ass. And well, I, I, I think it's going to motivate UNLV for Air Force. Yeah, you know, and I hope that it does. Air Force has been an up-and-down team, and, uh, you know, shaking your head with the loss yesterday to Utah State after they beat Navy. They've, 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 they've played decently this year, and uh, – 
But, you know, losing to Utah State, a, a team that UNLV had no problem with, that makes the next week's game interesting, especially the fact that it's back home at Allegiant Stadium. But, Chrissy, what I saw in the game yesterday is, you know, yes, maybe Marcus Royal's worst performance or as, as a coach and as far as the team. Well, went, I think because you had expectations, Brian. But Well, yeah, and I think the expectations for sure everyone did because they just won three in a row in four of their first five games for the first time in ever, forever. But, again, my, my biggest thing yesterday was, it was it was the the physicality of San Jose State. Now, if other teams watch the film, you're going to say, hey, we just got a physical up with these guys beat on them. The offensive line, Chris, as you mentioned, the the the, the, the errant snap, but they were exposed again yesterday. Three sacks, six tackles for loss. Unacceptable. And this has been I've been saying all year. My biggest concern for this team is the play of this offensive line. It's weak. And that showed up tremendously yesterday. You've got to be able to get out of the backfield. The, the, in Aiden Robbins, they have a running back that could do this, and they opened the game up. It looked like, wow, we're going to see this again. That was really it for him the entire game. I think he accumulated 55 yards entirely. Um, they, they've got to put this game behind them. But, again, they have got to work on toughness in this week because again if you're watching that game and I'm a coach getting ready to play them I just say hey let's beat on them they don't handle it well it it almost looked like especially in the second half and, and Spencer I don't know if you got a chance to see the game or not but especially in the second half UNLV was just getting manhandled and it looked like every tackle that San Jose State made they accentuated like an extra small knee to the helmet stay on top of the guy for a minute longer I was watching that on every play you could almost call penalties on it because at some points it looked so blatant that they were doing that. They were determined it almost looked like to hurt UNLV players. It really looked like that. Not that that's part of the game or the coaches go out and injure the guys, but they wanted to leave a mark and they wanted to make sure that every UNLV player that was on the field yesterday spent most of today in an ice bath. And based on what I saw, the ice baths are going to be packed today at the UNLV, at the UNLV campus at the practice facility because they got beaten to a pulp. Spencer, did you get a chance to see the game? It was a very physical game, Brian. And I think maybe that's something that a team like UNLV needs, you know, probably on. I'm not going to say they're on their high horse, but this is a team that hasn't felt any sort of success in a very long time. And I think when they get it, I think it can go to their head a little bit. And they think that they're on top of the world and that they're maybe the best team in the conference. I think a win like this uh, is more important down the road than it is maybe getting a win, which sounds weird. But I do think that uh, it could count later on in the season when they remember, you know, that teams are coming after them. They're not the best team in the Mountain West Conference just quite yet. No, you know, but. To, to not say they have made leaps and bounds and you have seen an improved team, you know, the biggest concern to me and, and, and Chris Spencer, we, we talked about this at the beginning of the season after we saw a couple of games that this team is going to go as far as Doug Brumfield can take them. Yes. They need to play defense. Yes. It's good to have Aiden Robbins in a decent running game. Yes. It's good to have a good receiving court, but you really need a stout quarterback to, to make a run in, in the mountain West. And we've seen that throughout. Doug Brumfield's that guy. The question is, I don't know, and Chris even said the same thing. You know, even the nature of his injuries uncertain at this time, he appeared 
to hurt his leg. It was on a sack, but then he stayed in the game. He later took a hit while throwing the ball away. It was down for a few extra seconds, holding his head. But again, he remained uh, to finish that drive. Then he left the field as the first quarter ended with a towel over his head and did not return. He was one of six uh, for eight yards before he was removed from the game. I don't think it was a matter of him getting removed from the game because you know, he, you know, they were like, he just doesn't have it today. They were beating him up and they beat up Cameron Friel too. They were beating up everyone who was near the football. But again, we need to know the extent of the injuries to Doug Brumfield. I like Cameron Field. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. We know that they've got another, uh, I, I, you know, the kid from Tennessee who, who, who could potentially be, be, be really good down the road. But I, I'm sorry, man, this team is going to go as far as Doug Brumfield's going to take him. And if Doug Brumfield's gone for any extended period of time, we may see a whole different UNLV team as uh, the season progresses right now. I am a little bit worried about the kid because I have said Doug Brumfield, the upside of this guy, he's elusive. He's as big as any quarterback I've seen come in a while, 6'5", 225, and he's still got two years of growth and potential. But for this team to make a run at a bowl game, and they're close Four wins already. You need two more to be eligible. But they got to get those two wins. You look at the schedule coming up. It's kind of brutal. Air Force is going to be no slouch coming in here next Saturday night. Then they go to Notre Dame. Then then they go to San Diego State. And then back home to play uh, Fresno State. All those games are losable. A couple of them are for sure winnable. They're all losable. That would be four straight losses, which would accumulate to five straight losses and completely change the dynamic and structure of this season. That can happen. So it's going to be very interesting how UNLV recovers from that loss and what their look is against Air Force. But to me, the number one focus should be this week by Marcus Arroyo and and especially the offensive coordinator. We've got to get tougher and be prepared for teams coming in and trying to smash us in the mouth. Because after what San Jose did, State did yesterday, that is going to be what I believe every coach is going to focus on until UNLV shows they can handle that kind of pressure, intensity, and physicality. Huge for them to do. All right, guys. Uh, Major League Baseball, I got to turn to this, uh, the wild card games. I got to be honest with you, Spencer, I have not been more excited about Major League Baseball playoffs in a long time. I've been saying for the first couple of years, I really like the addition of the wild card, but I don't think you should decide a season on one game when you play 162 games. I understand if it comes down to a tiebreaker and you got to play 163rd game against a divisional foe or you know somebody to determine a playoff spot. That I don't mind. That's what the way it is. You end up tied, you know, and all the tiebreakers, and you, great, play it. But as far as one game when you get to the postseason, I think it would be tragic, especially for a team like the Guardians, to be that last play. You know, they win a division. They, they win their division, and then they get one playoff game to try to get to extend it. I didn't think that would have been fair. I like the three games. I like the fact that they play all three games at the team with the better record or the division winner. And so far, I've liked the outcome of the games. I think it's been an unbelievable postseason. That first um, 
Phillies uh, St. Louis game was incredible to see the Phillies come up and score six unanswered, well, six runs in the ninth inning, down two nothing going into it was just cool as hell. And and of course, uh, uh, you know the Mets just blowing it, flat out blowing it. Talk about blowing it. Uh, when the Mets didn't blow it, they they of course won yesterday. But the Toronto Blue Jays talk about blowing it. How do you blow a seven run lead in a game at home? I just don't get it. They should have forced a game three today. They didn't, and I was happy for Seattle. Seattle hadn't been to the playoffs in a minute, and uh, they they fared very well. But Spencer, have you seen a more exciting like? first round of the playoffs even though only one game went to the three every one of these series has been kind of cool and surprising yeah but isn't this the most unfortunate part of the baseball season in that we all agree that the baseball playoffs are extremely fun to watch the game of baseball there's nothing wrong with it i don't know if anyone's ever heard that before the game is great i love baseball everybody loves baseball and yet Every single season without fail, the only time that we ever pay attention to baseball is the playoffs. So clearly it is something wrong with the regular season. Maybe <laughs> it's because there's over 160 games in a baseball season that no one could possibly keep their attention towards. That's how I feel about it. You know, Spencer, I like it. It does it does make me smile. It's, it's been that way forever. Uh, and, and I do get what you're saying. But I laugh because, you know, you're you're talking about the show. I talk about baseball three times a year. I talk about it on opening day when we're getting ready for opening day because that's important and, and every stadium's packed on opening day, which is cool. I talk about it at the All-Star break because I think, and, and, and I don't think anyone would argue this, that out of the four major professional sports in this country, the All-Star games, uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star game far surpasses the other three because it, it features both offense and defense. They play both ways. I'm glad that it doesn't determine the home field advantage for the league to go to the World Series anymore, but I just think everybody brings their best. Every team is required to be represented in the All-Star game. They all wear their own uniforms. I think this year it sucked that they didn't. I think they need to get back to where everybody used, wears their own uniform. That's what makes it so appealing, so I hope they change that rule in the future or or that whatever they did this year with that. But, and then we talk about them during the postseason. I mean, you're right. It, it's a lot of games and unless something, you know, really exciting happens or really tragic happens, I don't find a need to really talk about it too much until the postseason. But this is a postseason that I think is going to be one for the ages. I really like all the teams in it. I think we're going to see some extreme quality baseball, some great pitching. It's kind of cool to see guys like Zach Wheeler and Jacob DeGrom, you know, Brandon Nimmo, these guys having good postseasons, you know, because we got to watch them grow up here in Las Vegas playing for the, it was the 51s at that point in time down at Cashmere Field, watched and interviewed all those guys. So I love seeing their success at this level. It's really cool. And you see them on every team, uh, Travis D'Arnaud for the for the Atlanta Braves they're all over the place and that that is kind of cool but I am looking forward to the to the postseason this year I'm looking really forward it's going to be tough tonight you've got Sunday night football on on a game that I want to watch that we'll talk about in a minute but you've also got game three of a very good matter of fact to me the most compelling first round matchup was the Mets and the Padres and here they are in a game three tonight in New York it's going to be really exciting these are two really fun teams to watch and I'll tell you what either one of these teams Spencer maybe you'll agree maybe you won't but either one of these teams the Mets or the Padres that come out of this wild card Yes, they're going to be a little bit of a long shot to win a World Series when you've got teams like the Dodgers, the Mets, the 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 Braves, and the Astros. But I really like this series, and I won't be shocked if the team that comes out of this series ends up going on to the World Series and maybe even winning the whole thing. You know what's annoying about this series, though? And I, I agree with you that both these teams are very threatening. I, I can't think of the guy's name now, but he, he took steroids for San Diego. He's one of their best players. It's like, 
imagine if he was in this series, how entertaining this would be, how much better San Diego would Batiste. be. That's right. It's like, come on, dude, you're going to ruin your yeah, team's I know, season. That sucks. I mean, think about how like how good this game would be tonight if everybody was playing. I, th- that's just kind of how I feel. But I do agree with you. Both of these teams have great pitching. And even the San Diego pitcher had a bad game yesterday, but uh, he got himself out of some sticky situations, which I think is the only thing you can ask of your pitcher. That was really entertaining. I, I can't wait for a game three tonight. No, I'm I'm really excited. Like I said, I'm going to have to record record them both so I can go back and forth and watch what I missed. I mean, I am I am jacked for that. And I'm just jacked for the postseason in general. Uh, let's get to the bones. Our Las Vegas Raiders. Um, last week they beat the Denver Broncos. I don't think anyone was surprised, but the fact they got behind and came back and won the game, that's something that you definitely like to see is comeback victories. It shows it shows fortitude, and it also shows halftime adjustments, which you like to see coaches be able to make. So it fared well for Josh McDaniel. I don't know how well he'll fare tonight. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, you know, in that game last week, I noticed it, you know, and – Boy, did we notice it on Thursday night. Um, Chris, I'll ask you first, and we got to keep it brief, guys, so we can get this done. But Russell Wilson, man, is Russell Wilson just done? I mean, that might have been one of the worst football games I have watched in a long time. It was putrid. I thought both Matt Russell and – and uh, excuse me, Matt Russell. Both uh, Russell Wilson and um, Matt Ryan – uh, should have been given rocking chairs at the end of the game. They're both done, in my opinion. Well, I, I've said for a couple of years now, Russell Wilson is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. I stand by that. The guy gets so much hype for being bang average. The reality is he hasn't been good in probably four or five years. But yet, you know, we we, we keep pretending that he's an elite quarterback. I said it well, when they traded him. Two Super Bowls, Chris. You got to get. And, and yeah, but, 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 but Brian, yeah. Well, that's the thing. What, seven, eight years ago. I mean, eight, nine years ago, the, 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 the Seahawks were going to Super Bowls. And you can probably make a pretty big case that Marshawn Lynch was a pretty big part of those. And, and the defense, the Legion of Boom. You know, Russell Wilson was carried by the Legion of Boom and Marshawn Lynch. Not to say that he didn't play good for those Super Bowl teams because he did. But the reality is. He hasn't been an elite quarterback in years, and I I don't know why we continue to pretend that he is. Look, the Broncos, if you live in Las Vegas, you've watched them four times this season already on either national TV or when they came here and played at Allegiant Stadium. They stink, and they stink in large part because Russell Wilson isn't very good. Yeah, he's he is definitely not the quarterback he was. I won't say that this, that the Seattle Seahawks carried him. I saw a big difference in that team, even that first year when he won the job over Matt Flynn, who uh, had one five hundred plus yard game against the Lions, he gets a ten million dollar contract. But Russell Wilson came in, earned that job as a true rookie, and you know what? He's been successful everywhere he's gone. Yes, I think maybe. Father time is calling, but um, I won't say that Russell Wilson was carried. I think it was an integral part of that team, and I think that if you have a different quarterback, say Matt Flynn is the quarterback of that team, that you don't. See well, Seattle Matt Matt Flynn stunk there. too. Let's be honest; yeah. it's not yeah, like well, it's not like beating him out Matt was. Matt Flynn stunk. <laughs> Russell Wilson didn't stink. Russell Wilson stinks right now. I will definitely go that far to say. It. But as far as the Raiders go, and talking about this Monday night game, as you can see, I'm wearing a very flashy shirt that the scoop gave me. If you're watching us on uh, Facebook Live or YouTube. And that is because it's a flashy game. It's Monday night football. It's prime time. And I think 
it comes in wake of the Raiders' first win, which is huge to give them confidence going into this game. But going to Kansas City on Monday night, the way Kansas City manhandled this team last year, and Kansas City has not been necessarily the Kansas City that we've seen in the past few years. The loss of Tariq Hill was immense. We saw how well he's played for the Dolphins, and the Dolphins have been a pretty formidable team this year, although that's a big question mark with Tua gone now, how well they are going to perform. But that being said, um, the Kansas City Chiefs are still among the elite teams in the National Football Team the League. They still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Travis Kelsey. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been healthy and probably looked as good as he has since his rookie season, at least to this point. And they have depth now in their offensive backfield. This is a team that still has the ability, the manpower, and the coaching to get to the, the, the highest level of the NFL. And now the Raiders got to go in there on a prime time game. This is a rivalry game. They are familiar with it, with this team, but boy, is this a tall order Spencer. I'll let you chime in first on this one. What is it going to take for the Raiders to find a way to come out of this victorious tonight? Well, it, it, Derek Carr just has to be better. Look, they scored over 30 points finally in the Broncos game, but that comes off the scoop and score from Meek Robertson. Which, first of all, I got to give myself a little bit of credit. If you listen to our old uh, promos, in my promo, I said that Amik Robinson was better than what's his name, who we cut a bunch of years ago or a few years ago, our first round pick. And here he is playing some meaningful football. But in any case, you know, they scored 30 points because of that. The offense is averaging 24 points a game. That is just not enough. This, the, honestly, the defense has played better than anybody could have ever asked for this season. Giving up 24 points a game. I never thought I'd see it. It's been a long, long time. And last year, they were pretty good as well. But a lot of guys are, are stepping up this season, which is great. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of injuries. But Derek Carr has to be better. Darren Waller has to be better. Hunter Renfro has to be better. It's got to be a good performance for them. And they got to control the ball on the ground and keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. That's like a cliche, but it's obviously true. If they can control the time of possession, I like the idea that Nate Hobbs can be on Juju Smith-Schuster, who's questionable right now. Now, Denzel Perryman and J.R. Brown are questionable. Those two may be the deciding factors because if those two aren't playing, Travis Kelsey is going to absolutely destroy this defense. So it comes down to those two's injuries for me and the offense. Yeah, no question. Perryman, I mean, came into his own last year. The move from Carolina to Vegas makes the Pro Bowl. And lose him early, get him back, and he goes down again. That was tragic. Real quickly, an update if you're watching or not watching, you're interested, which which was one of my games of the week, uh, New York Giants playing Green Bay in London, 20 to 13 right now, about 10 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. The Packers are up by seven. Uh, should be a good game. I expected the Packers. I don't know why to win this game. I'm not saying the Giants are a complete house of cards because I think Saquon Barkley stays healthy all year. He's going to get comeback player of the year. I mean, he's just looking as good as he has a couple of years ago and uh, it's good to see I, I like the kid a great deal they did a big story on him on ESPN a little bit ago learned a lot about him and I really enjoy that a great deal but it's going to be interesting and Hunter Renfro man they need this kid back he's a huge part of the receiving core and they've got to get him back in the game big time so we will see what happens there real quickly intriguing matchups to me I'm going to tell you this right now 
It's a seven and a half point spread for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, 52 is the over under. I can't see the Raiders covering that spread. I don't. I think the Raiders lose by by two touchdowns plus. That's just my take on it. Boy, do I hope I'm wrong on this one. But I think this one is probably as tall of an order as the Raiders are going to have all season in Kansas City on Monday night. That's not fun for anybody, and especially a team that really um, has some question marks. And, uh, you know, offensive line is still a gigantic question mark, and Kansas City uh, could exploit that more today. But as far as, uh, you know, week five matchups um, that I like, and again, uh, you know, I, I like the game going on in London right now. Unfortunately, I probably won't get home in time to see any of that game unless it goes in overtime, which it could, but we'll keep you updated on that, give you the score one more time before we get out of here today. Uh, the matchups I like the best, the only undefeated team left in the National Football League, the Philadelphia Eagles. I would not have guessed that. Yes, Jalen Hurts is impressing the hell out of me. He is a game manager, but I think he has been under pressure his entire collegiate career, playing for the top universities, playing at Oakland, or excuse me, in Alabama, you know, and getting to a national championship game. We all know what happens to or replaces him there. So he goes to Oklahoma. What does he does? Get back in the Heisman ring and puts Oklahoma in the college football playoffs. Jalen Hurts brings out his best at the best times, and we're seeing that this year. I don't think Philadelphia is going anywhere in the long run, but it is exciting to see. And the reason I'm intrigued by this match is, is they're at Arizona. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the Arizona Cardinals have lost six home games in a row dating back to last year. That is the most, okay, in um, since uh, forever. I mean, I don't know the last time a team has lost six, but they could lose seven home games tonight if they lose uh, to the Eagles, and a lot of people expect that to happen. Really surprising, too, man. They get a huge crowd there in Arizona. Loud, great place to play, but um, I think Arizona does win the game today, but I won't be surprised if Philadelphia goes 5-0. and Another intriguing matchup, the Cowboys, they've won three in a row now. I guess after people started ripping on them after that opening day loss, they haven't turned back, and they're playing the Rams coming off of a pretty bad loss to San Francisco last week um, up in the Bay Area. Two and two are the Rams. It's a big game for the Rams. They're at home. Dallas coming in. I think the Rams win this game. But um, don't be too surprised if Dallas does well. We'll hear from our sports prognosticator in just a couple of minutes. And uh, another game and probably my favorite matchup of the weekend. Both these teams are two and two, but I'm really excited to see this game. I just think it's quality football on both sides of the ball. Both these teams have explosive offenses. Uh, Cincinnati at at the Ravens. And like I said, the game that I was looking really forward to tonight, and then you've got the major league baseball playoffs going on the, the game three, um, between the Mets and the Padres. But again, uh, this is a game I really like. Lamar Jackson, um, granted they're two and two, but he is having in four games an MVP type season. He has really figured this out. The game is slowed down enough where Lamar with his feet can just make magical things happening. And his passing is probably the best I've seen this year yet in his career. It's accurate and he does have the ability to throw the deep ball. And of course, on the other side of the ball, you know, talk about offensive line trouble. We knew that Cincinnati was going to have this. It was amazing. They made the Super Bowl last year, considering in fact, you have a very thin offensive line. They went for the receiver. They went for uh, Jamar Chase. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, how do you, how do you not, 
go for him. I was, we were all bummed in Detroit. Uh, I shouldn't say we in Detroit because I'm not in Detroit anymore, but I know Lions fans were super bummed. Yes, Penny Sewell, a very stout offensive lineman, could develop into one of the better tackles in the National Football League. But are you kidding me? Jamar Chase, this guy in three or four years might be the best wide receiver in the National Football League. I know that's a big-time boast, but this kid has all kinds of potential. He can catch anything, and he is as strong in stature as you get for a guy his size. And then you look at the other weapons Joe Burrow has with Joe Mixon running the football. This should be a really exciting game tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Spence, what's your favorite game of the day today? Big, big fan of the 49ers minus six and a half over the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers stink. Matt Rule will be fired on Monday following a blowout loss to the 49ers. Uh, some bold statements there. And, you know, before we get into it, one thing we didn't do, and I want to get back to this with the bones real quick. We did get, um, as I mentioned, we were going to hear from um, the Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels, in the press conference yesterday, a couple of things he said. The first thing he said was, um, does it ever get old when they asked him about playing on Monday Night Football? Because, of course, they're playing tomorrow night. And uh, and this is what he had to say about that. Oh, it doesn't. Um, <clears throat> you'll hear the music today. Uh, you know, just, I mean, look, it is what it is. It's it's a special uh, event. Um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, at the same time you say, well, it's another regular season game. It is. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think we're all, when we were all young, um, you know, you you probably watched some Monday Night Football growing up. You heard the music. You got a little excited. You know, when it was your team, <clears throat> your hometown team or whatever it was playing, I'm sure, um, you know, that you were excited to, to watch that. So um, you don't get this this opportunity much. Um, and to have it be a division opponent on the road and have it be the Chiefs in specific, um, <clears throat> you know, I think that, um, you know, there's definitely going to be some adrenaline, uh, no question. You have to manage that a little bit. But um, I hope our guys are, are really excited. If, if what I see from them is any indication, I'm sure we will be, um, you know, excited to perform, excited to compete, uh, and excited to play in this atmosphere, you know, this one time. Yeah, and uh, one other thing tomorrow night, uh, are the Raiders going to have Max Crosby? Supposedly he's making the trip, but his fiance is ready to give birth at any time. So they asked uh, Josh McDaniel yesterday that in the press conference. I'm, I'm really hoping so. Um, yeah, I mean, the plans are for sure. Yeah, no question. I mean, again, I, 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 you know, I don't really, I'm not an expert in, you know, give birth and everything else. But, uh, it, you know, however that goes, it goes. So, I mean, whenever the baby decides it's time, then we'll have to make a decision on that. So, um, you know, look, I think that's obviously that comes first, you know, and that's a experience he'll never get back. So uh, we'll see how it goes and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we have to do as a football team. I'll bet Max is there playing. Uh, hopefully his wife can either have the baby today or uh, tomorrow morning so Max can get there. They definitely are going to need him on the edge in that Kansas City game. All right, well, let's waste more time. It is time for Pick and Parlay with the Scooper. Uh, early morning, I know he was up late last night or late this morning because I got a text at like 3 in the morning when I got up to do the show. I can't but, hear uh, you. What do you, uh, you. You can't hear us. Uh, not sure why you can't hear us. I, I, Spence can help that at all. Um, shoot. All right, well, we'll have to get the scoops picks. I apologize. We'll share them with you. He's unable to hear us. Um, I just wanted to know the pick and parlay. If you can hear this at all, uh, pull him up again and go ahead and do the pick and parlay. How we doing? We're, we're doing good. We got about 30 seconds. We're running really late. I'll make pick and parlay. So we, got a, uh, we got an under for you. Dallas Cowboys, L.A. Rams, 
this is a schedule play. Both teams have had some situations where the Rams really haven't done anything offensively when they played real defenses, and this Dallas D-line can get after you. Also, Dallas's offense hasn't really faced any real defenses yet. I think this is a hard-fought game. Feel kind of like a playoff game. Points at a premium. This is a two-parter. We'll go first half under with a full game under as well. So take your bets, the vitamin two, and then we'll parlay that with the under in the Baltimore-Cincinnati game as well. A little double under special for you. Okay, so we're going, and it's a two-team parlor. You're going to take the under on the game and then under in the Philadelphia game also. No, so the Cincinnati under parlayed with the Dallas-LA Ram under is the parlay. Okay, Dallas-LA and Cincy under parlay. We got it, and the under parlay. Under in the Dallas game, you can either go first half or second half or whole game. Take your pick. Those are the scoops pick. I know he did great yesterday. He took the over in the first half of the Ohio State-MSU game. I wish I would have bet it. Scooper, we appreciate you, man. We will Thank be back sir. next Thanks week, and uh, I'm, heading to the, I'm heading to the book right now to put my bet down. See you soon. Come All right. Nice hey, listen, day. I want to thank everyone. I want to thank the scooper. I want to thank uh, Chris Magnum Chapman back in studio. Spencer, the Wiz Ostrowski here, always helping us out on the show. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We're back next week. Don't forget, Golden Knights uh, face off their first game in L.A. on Tuesday, first home game Thursday. And the Raiders tomorrow night in Kansas City for Monday Night Football tonight. Well, you got game three of the Mets Padres series. Once again, Brian Feldman, Out of Line, Fox Sports Radio. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.